everybody. This is Patty Corkery. Welcome to another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. Today we sit down with the president and CEO of Michigan Legacy Credit Union, Karma Peters. A lot of you know Karma and have met her because she's very active in our credit union community. And for those of you who haven't had the pleasure to meet her or don't know her that well, we're hoping this podcast will allow you to get to know her. Um, Her credit union is so active and amazing. It's a great spot to be. We're actually at their beautiful location in Wyandotte. Um, They just unveiled this new branch not that long ago, and it's really, really fun to be down here and meeting with Karma in person. So just a little bit about Michigan Legacy. They're over 276 million in assets. Um, They have six branches and 83 employees. Karma is also the secretary and treasurer of our Michigan League um, board. And also um, this year, the credit union has received the Innovation and Reinvention Award um, through the MCUL and they will receive that this year at our annual convention. So it's a very dynamic credit union. Karma has lots of great leadership lessons, her story, um, and exciting and interesting things that the credit union's doing here. So we hope that you enjoy and um, get to know Karma Peters a little bit better. Hey, Karma. Thank you so much for joining us for Credit Union's Coffee and Conversations. It's great to have you here. What's really cool is to be here at your new branch um, in Wyandotte, and it's beautiful. I was happy to be here for the ribbon cutting and just got another little tour again, and what a great space to come to work every day. Thanks for coming down. We love it. We do love it. Yeah, it's really great. Well, Karma, let's get started. You know, um, as we were talking earlier, um, we're hoping that these sit-downs with credit union leaders um, around the state will really um, allow people to get to know you better, hear some things and learn from you about your experience and how your credit union is doing and how things are going here for Michigan Legacy. But before we get into all of that, I just want to ask you to tell us your story. Oh, my story. Okay. Well, uh, I actually grew up on the Mississippi in a little town called LeClaire, Iowa, which was not famous when I was living there. Now, however, uh, thanks to American Pickers, it's a little famous. So it was not the cool place to be from when I grew up, but it is now. Um, And I lived there until I graduated from high school. And my first job was in a credit union there. I was a co-op student and worked for Alcoa Employees Credit Union in high school. My family moved after I graduated from high school. My dad owned a marina on the Mississippi, and it was the late 70s, early 80s after the farming industry crash, and the first thing people gave up were their luxury boats. So we moved to Wyoming, and that's where I met my husband and had my kids. I worked for banks and credit unions in Casper, Wyoming. We lived there for nine years. And then the oil field industry crashed, so we followed my brother out to Seattle, Washington, and I worked for a great credit union out there called Cascade Federal Credit Union and got a lot of opportunity. Um, My husband's job transferred us to Maryland, so we actually went coast to coast and lived there 11 years. That's most of my kids where their schooling was, and when my baby graduated, we decided we wanted to come back west where people were real and it wasn't hectic and chaotic. And it was right after the D.C. sniper. Oh, wow. Yeah, and 9-11, and we were ready to get off the East Coast at that point. (laughs) So uh, I think I was hired because I sent my resume to the league because obviously I knew what leagues and chapters were. 
And I got a phone call from Cheryl DeBoer, who was the CEO of Y South at the time. She interviewed me twice over the phone. We sold our house and moved here sight unseen for me. My husband's from Michigan, so he grew up in the West Branch and UP area. And we've been here now 18 years, which is the longest we've ever lived anywhere. Wow. That's it's home. Great. Yeah. I mean, you have that's really cool to have lived in that many states. I mean, I'm always jealous when I hear that because I've always lived in Michigan, you know, and to get that experience. And I hear Wyoming especially is beautiful. It's a very different lifestyle. My kids are very good at geography, so that was the one advantage. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And now you're at Michigan Legacy. And so how did your career kind of evolve here once you came to Michigan? Uh, well, Cheryl hired me as the lending manager, and I had worked in a lot of different branch operations. When I worked at Cascade Federal in Washington, uh, you always ask, is there anything I can do? And Dale one time needed someone to run backup IT tapes, and I'm like, I'll do it. Um, I've when I was in Wyoming working for a bank, I volunteered to go transport repossessed cars. So I've just volunteered and learned a lot over the years. In November of 2005, Cheryl left to go to First, Par uh, First Community in Parchment at the time. And so I applied for the CEO job. And the board gave me the opportunity, and that's kind of history. We did... I ended up merging with Affinity Group Credit Union, so we did five mergers and seven conversions in five years. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you're still here to tell, about, here it. To tell about it. <laughs> and when Tom retired, uh, we had another interim CEO for a while, and then I applied for the job, and it's been, it's been really great. It's been awesome. I have an awesome leadership team that I'm extremely proud of that I... I, I think I have the best team in the industry. I'm sure every CEO says that, but I'm extremely proud of them. Yeah. Well, you can just tell from hearing your story. I mean, you're always saying yes. You're always throwing your hat in the ring and, and going for it, which is awesome. You know, that's great. That's awesome to hear. Um, so now you're president and CEO of Michigan Legacy. And, you know, um, it's kind of, it's hard to not talk about the pandemic just because, you know, we're still emerging from that, still, of course, dealing with this variant and everything else. And I know you and I have talked over the last several months about how the credit union's doing, how you guys are handling things. And um, it's nice to sit down with different credit unions and hear their different approaches. But how, how's Michigan, how's the credit union doing? You know, how are you guys moving forward um, and, and kind of turning the corner? So one of the things that I think the pandemic actually helped our strategic plan that the board approved in our business plan, we sat down with our board starting in 2018 and really wanted to talk about what the future of credit unions really was. And we had six administrative small offices, but no corporate office after all those mergers. So we had a whole lot of overhead. We looked at different alternatives. We looked at IETMs, and we just couldn't justify spending $2 million for 10 ITMs to drive members to. But we also knew we had old, tired buildings, and, and so we found a video solution and decided that we could downsize our branches. So we have remodeled two. And we're on our first retail branch. So we've consolidated staff from six, six branches now to two branches that are our administrative north and south branches. 
And by the time we're done, we will downsize square footage about 28,000 square feet. Wow. Wow. So when you say um, video solution, I know people are going to be listening and want to know what, what solution you're talking about. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? We, I sure can. We found, we investigated a couple different video options. And I was actually speaking out at CU Northwest Conference and talked to Jen Oliver from South Bay in California. And she showed me her video option. It's a program uh, from a vendor called Pop.io. And it allows it it allows members to call us from their home, from their desktop, and in the branch. So we started brainstorming and getting super excited about this alternative. It's a fraction of what ITMs cost. We knew we needed to replace our ATMs anyway, so we went with smart ATMs and this video platform, and now when the members come in, we do not have teller lines in our new branches, so they have to utilize the ATM. For the members that like things the old-fashioned way, we tell them that's why we left the drive through open for them. But any other member service, the member walks up to a video island and they get on the screen, they touch the screen, and they talk to the specific professional that they need, whether it be mortgages, loans, card services, collections, or just general member questions. So they're not being transferred from one different kind of a member of uh, uh, employee to another they're going straight to that specialist that can help them in one call and the interesting thing is we did a market survey and got a lot of feedback from members over what they thought it was and we were able to address that with a YouTube video online to let them know that it is safe unlike a teller window where you're standing shoulder to shoulder these stations are six feet apart. They have a phone. They can type if they don't want to say mm -hmm. their account number or any personal yeah. information. So it makes the transaction private. And after COVID now, it makes them very safe in a, in a contactless environment. But it seems very personal through the video platform. Yeah. And just trying it when I was here last time to see the face, you know, the, the person you're talking to pop up. And it does seem like you're right there in person with them. And that's, that's a great solution. And I know just in general, you know, you're the type of CEO that you're out and about. So you're networking, you know, you're our MCUL, um, you're on the board for MCUL as our secretary and treasurer, and you're very active in your chapter. So you're meeting and engaging with a lot of CEOs around the state and country. So what, what sort of challenges do you think, whether tied to COVID or not, but just in general as, as we're navigating through half, over halfway done with this year? What, what do you see as some challenges that credit unions are facing now? It's definitely the issue of all the cash coming in and yeah. not being able to lend it out fast enough, particularly in our area, the car shortage creates an issue. And it's not just car shortages. We went to the UP and we noticed on the way up there the RV lots that are empty, the boat lots that are empty. Um, so much of the supply consumers need, they just can't even get. I heard recently there's going to be a supply on school shortages. So until that gets back up to full capacity, I think it's going to be a challenge for a while. Yeah. Um, and then alternative income for credit unions is always a challenge now with continued regulatory or legislative threats over the way we earn income now and with our margins so thin. Right. I think that's going to continue to put pressure on credit unions to find alternative methods and income to really 
generate that income that they may they may lose or it may have slowed down right. since the pandemic. Yeah, and I know just in talking to you and talking to a lot of credit unions too, everybody's dealing with the staff shortage as oh, well. Yes, I mean human labor is is tough to come by. It is very difficult. We currently have three branches. We can't open the lobby because we just don't really don't have enough staff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all of the industries that we're talking to and seeing. It's clearly not a credit union issue. It's just for everybody. And, you know, I'm hoping by fall, you know, with certain incentives, maybe that if that's been keeping people home, I think maybe a small fraction of people aren't coming in because of that, you know, the unemployment that goes away and kids going back to school and schools opening back up. I'm hoping that we're going to turn a corner and at least that issue come fall. You know, maybe the picture will be a little bit different. I don't know. I hope you're right. <laughs> I, do I hope too. you're right. I do too. Um, so what about, you know, um, we talk about it a lot too, but you know, the, the consolidation that we're seeing, the mergers that we're seeing in Michigan. And, and one of the things we talk about is, you know, just because a credit union merges, you know, the membership doesn't shrink. It's just credit unions merging. But, you know, I think now, well, we might be down to 210 credit unions here in Michigan. And I know from, you know, you've been here 18 years, you've seen the consolidation happening. What do you think that means for credit unions going forward? I think it's going to be, it, it is going to be challenging for smaller credit unions. Sometimes I'm the opposite and I get on my soapbox about small credit unions can't survive and I don't think that's true. If that were true, I mean, we've been hearing, I've been hearing for 15 years, you, you have to be 250 million to survive. And yet I know credit unions that are 13 million and 20 million that have found a unique niche. They serve their members well and they're still here. I, I don't disagree that it may be more difficult for them uh, we have a small credit union we perform their BSA audit for uh, to help her out at a, a, a reduced cost to what she could find because I think it's just the right thing to do. Um, I think that that will be a challenge, but I sometimes bark back against that you have to be big to survive because there are still small credit unions throughout the country that are doing really well. So I hate to hear that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily true. It may be more difficult, but it's not impossible. Right. No, and I think that's very true. And I know one of the things that we're talking to lawmakers about is there's a proposed bill to have a study done about de novo credit unions. You know, we don't see any new credit unions popping up. And, and why is that? Are the regulatory hurdles just too much? You know, and the bill is proposing, you know, um, a study to see if there's a way to make it more feasible. Um, which I find interesting, and I think, like you said, they'll still face some of the challenges, but if the opportunity's there, the community's there, and, you know, we hear about these banking deserts, we hear about banks leaving s smaller communities because it's not profitable, and, and credit unions are, are there to, to come in and, and open that branch under a credit union name, and, um, and that's something we talk about a lot is really community support and just being here at this branch opening where we're sitting here in Wyandotte and, and seeing the community come together and, and seeing um, the positive impact that, you know, a branch opening, you know, and it doesn't have to be a big branch. Like you said, the footprint can be small, but still the impact you have in the community is, is so huge. You it's know? about the relationship, yeah. right? With the community. That's so important. Yeah. So... So as a, as a female leader, you know, as you've seen your career evolve and, and move and navigate through, you know, how, what sort of advice do you have to some of our women leaders coming up in the industry or what have you kind of seen changing, if anything, as you kind of navigated your career as a woman? I think 
not being afraid to blaze your own path. What we do is not agreeable to some other credit unions and they may not like it. They may think we're a little crazy, but we know for us it fits and it's right. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be bold. And, and if you have an idea, pursue it. Uh, I, I, I have a great team. I'm so proud of them for coming up with ideas that pitched me ideas saying, what if we made a credit union look like a 50s diner? And it was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. But, you know, the more we talked through it, the more it made sense for us. If it's our name, if it's who we are, and it introduces technology in a non-threatening environment. We, we talked as a leadership team about how we could never be a Starbucks or a Nike, but through what we've created with our jukebox ATM, we now have a brand. And it's very visible from the street. People talk about it. It may be crazy to other people, but for us it fits and it makes sense. And we're excited about it. So don't don't be afraid to take chances and step outside the boundaries. And don't worry about what other people think because it may not be right for them, but it could be perfect for you. Yeah, and that advice is so good in our careers and in our personal life, right? Exactly. And the fear of, I think I t I've talked to a lot of women leaders and, and we struggle with that wanting to be liked. Yes. You know, we want people to like us. We don't want people to think, oh, you know, we're doing something unique. We're going to fail. And so we're people pleasers. And we it, are. it's nice to hear that you're, you know, you know, blazing your own trail. So would that advice be similar? I know you're really passionate about our young professional movement. And um, it's great to see in Michigan we have two young professional groups with Fuel and Hype up in the UP. And and seeing the younger generation coming together and kind of rallying and um, getting to know the industry and getting to develop that passion for the industry. So if, if anything different, what sort of advice would you have for our young professionals or where do you see them? How can we help them more than we do now? For our my peers, I would say give them a chance and give them the freedom to show themselves and take chances. I think there's a lot of times I, I think you remember from my days on the foundation board, that was, I think, my my greatest, uh, the thing that made me the most satisfied is seeing young professionals get on there as associate board members because they need to have a seat at the table. And I heard from a lot of peers that wanted to let them in but not let them vote. And I think that's wrong. It's like inviting someone to dinner and telling them they can't eat. <laughs> that's <laughs> not fun. It's not fun. So uh, I think that they need to be parts of the conversation because they have such a different perspective that we don't see. Even myself, I like to think of myself as young, but um, I'm, I'm getting, getting older and hearing that perspective that I don't see anymore right. because it's, it's beyond what I experience. They bring so much, but they have, to, they have to have a seat at the table and we have to hear their voice for the industry to move forward as well. Well, and it just makes sense as we're, as an industry, we're trying to see what appeals to 20 and 30 somethings. You know, uh, we can sit around as in our 40s and 50s and talk about it all day, but, you know, just talking to my 19 year old, you know, you hear from a technology standpoint alone what they're looking for in a financial institution and what they'll accept and what they won't. And I know they won't accept being on hold on the phone. <laughs> they won't, they won't tolerate that. Um, so, yeah, that's great. I think that's, 
um, great advice. And I know that um, it, it's fun to see more of our young professionals coming to different events that traditionally were just C-suite only or, you know, something that they wouldn't be able to network and be a part of. So it's awesome to see your support for that and commitment to working with them. Um, so being a, you know, smaller, quote unquote, credit union, um, I know you wear a lot of hats and so does your team. You know, how do you as a CEO find time to be strategic? Setting aside time, definitely being uh, managing my calendar and reading, listening to podcasts on what people are doing. I think the advantage, one of the things that I found most beneficial is because of our core processor and the QSO that I'm involved with, I sit on a board so I get to attend meetings that have perspectives from people all over the country. Um, Going out to CU Northwest, hearing different perspectives from credit unions on the West Coast, it's very interesting. I mean, they're doing some dynamic things and uh, I found it fascinating. So getting out and attending something different, even not in our industry, um, attending webinars that I see pop up that I'm like, I wouldn't normally attend this, but uh, it gives you a unique perspective, or you may hear something that you're like, wow, that's really fascinating. How could that, we incorporate that? So yeah. I think just reading. Yeah, I think that's great advice, too, to see. And I, I've heard, you know, different credit unions go to outside of our industry to get ideas, and I think that's a great idea, um, and to network with them and see how we can pull that in. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so before we get to our quick questions like what do you do to blow off steam what do you do to have what do i do to blow down down. okay uh that you don't mind sharing that i don't (laughs) mind sharing well i'm very active in our our church uh they're very community-based so it's it feels like a cooperative as well we're very much involved in uh serving the communities where the church has seven locations so doing that it just that helps so much when you have a lot of stress, being able to help someone else, and and uh, it's very fulfilling. I like doing that. I like traveling. Uh, I do like playing golf, even though I'm not that great at it. <laughs> it's still fun. It's still fun, and even just walking. Yeah. So get on my treadmill, put on some good music. Nice, nice. That's awesome, Karma. Okay, so five quick questions um, that I, I'm asking everybody that we sit down with because I think it's fun to compare and hear what each people say on the same topic. So first, um, what is on your nightstand at home? A book and uh, a light. You Typically my phone. I think that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, some lavender spray. Oh, nice. Yes. So anything that you, do you remember what you're reading or anything that you're reading that you would recommend? Uh, Visioneering by Andy Stanley is a good book. And I just finished uh, Finding Chica by Mitch Album. Oh, Excellent book. And it ties into what we talked about earlier with my charity, Euchre Change a Life and and an orphanage in Haiti that he runs down there. That's an amazing story, and we're having Mitch Album at our annual convention. I'm so, so excited. We might talk about that. Awesome. Um, so what is something that people get wrong about you, Karma? That people get wrong about me? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. I think a lot of people think I'm from Michigan and don't realize that I've lived coast to coast. Yeah. So uh, thinking I'm a native Michigander and... Setting straight on that. Not so much. No, you're not. Well, we've adopted you, so you're Michigander now. Um, Okay, so if you could have coffee with anyone, who would it be and why? Who would I have coffee with? Um, 
probably I am a big fan of Andy Stanley, so he might be one of them, and Condoleezza Rice. Oh, yeah, she'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard she spoke at you know the CUNA GAC. Did you see her when she was there? I did not. Oh, bummer. She was very fascinating to hear from. So that's that's a good one. Um, Okay, so tell us, I know you mentioned you like to travel. What is a bucket list travel destination for you? Definitely Ireland and the Greek islands. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, and the last one, what is one trait or quality that every leader should strive for? I think it would just be compassion and empathy. So I think that just makes you real. Yeah. That's a great answer, Karma. Um, and one of the reasons that you're so well-loved, just to have that um, that thought. Um, not everyone's going to say that, and thanks for sharing that. Well, thank you so much for joining, and excited to sit down and talk to you, and hopefully people got to know you a little bit more, and um, I'm sure they'll enjoy hearing your story. Thanks, Patty. It was great. Thanks, Karma. Well, thanks again to Karma Peters for sitting down with us today. That was such a great discussion, and I know you got to know her better, and I'm sure you learned some lessons from her as she talked about being a woman leader in our industry here, but also about the solutions and stepping outside of the box and not having a fear of blazing her own trail and the different solutions and and exciting things going on at Michigan Legacy. So I hope you enjoyed hearing about that and learning more about Karma. We appreciate you listening and we are looking forward to future episodes down the road as we continue to meet with credit union leaders in our state and around the country. So for those of you listening in on the podcast and having the opportunity to follow and subscribe wherever you are listening, we would really appreciate you doing that. That way you'll be alerted when there are new episodes and feel free to comment and let us know what you think about the episodes and if you have any suggestions for us as we continue to move forward. But thanks again for listening and uh, we hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did.